Welcome to the EdTech Pod Squad, a monthly show where five Missouri EdTech leaders talk, share, and reflect on their own teaching and learning. The conversation with Josh Howard, Samantha Hardesty-Noll, Aaron Lawson, Jonathan Lee, and J.P. Presavento starts right now. everybody uh hello and welcome to the edtech pod squad podcast uh let's go around the room and share who's joining us today i'll start my name is josh howard and i am the instructional technology facilitator for fulton public schools you can find me at josh c howard on twitter and my blog joshchoward.com jonathan lee here with metc you can follow me at J Lee Tech Percent on the Twitter, and you can also follow a podcast, MHC podcast, on any of those things there. Hey, I'm Erin Lawson. Um, I'm the district tech coach in the Orchard Farm School District. You can find me on Twitter at Erin underscore Lawson three. This is Samantha Hardesty Knoll joining you from the Wentzville School District, where I serve as an instructional tech coach. And you can follow me on the Twitters at Tech Knoll. Hey guys, and I'm JP Presavento, the Instructional Technology Coordinator in the Fox School District out in Arnold. Uh, you can connect with me on Twitter at JPPrez or follow my blog and other stuff at JPPrez.com. All right, so now that we're all here, let's go ahead and get into what's new. There have uh, been some updates with some Google stuff. Uh, anybody want to talk a little bit about the new Google Classroom? Sure, I'll jump in and talk about Google Classroom. Um, Google has released uh, several updates to Classroom, kind of listening to teacher feedback on some features that we need to make things work a little bit smoother. So now it has been divided up so that you have, instead of just having a stream, we actually have a Classworks portion um, so that you can set up your class more in a module system where you have control over how things are laid out or where you want um, where you want your items to be you still do have access to that stream though so the stream can be um, it forces you just to make announcements or use kind of as a discussion or to ask questions for your kiddos um, it also has and I don't know if you guys have um, seen it in in your districts not but the, the um, grade pass back, has anybody seen that yet? I know there's a new grading interface. I haven't used it. I was actually going to ask if anybody's done anything with it. Ours actually, I think you have to turn it on at the admin level. Um, and so I haven't seen it in action yet, but I do believe that they, they have a grade pass back, which uh, would integrate with your student information system. Oh, yeah, that is... Um, we that is really complicated because we even looked into it and we couldn't figure it out so we had to set we're setting up like a call to get that because it is a that is a a domain thing that you have to get in and you got to have a bunch of your inner workings figured out before you can patch those those two things together but yeah we're looking forward to being able to have our our grades kind of linked with what's in our student information system to what's happening in google classroom and we're told that it, other districts have that working. So that's All right. an exciting development. Nice. Yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, there, there have been some other changes to the way the grading works. Has anybody actually used it? I don't, I'm not using a classroom actively since I'm working in uh, training, but have you guys worked with teachers on using how, what the grading looks like now? 
I have. Um, it looks really neat because I like how they can click on a document and then it opens the whole thing up and they can comment right into it. They can quickly put the grade down and there's even that little box where they can pre-make little uh, comments you like know, ahead of time. Responses type thing. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was really neat how they can just do that. And then they just, there's a little arrow at the top and they just, once they grade that paper and put the comments in there, they just click the arrow and it goes right to the next doc. And it, um, so far our teachers really like it because it's just so seamless and smooth and they can just go from one to another and quickly get everything graded. So they like it. That's really awesome. I know that one of, uh, we don't have a whole lot of teachers that have in the past used the grading in there to its fullest effect just because it's kind of, it was always kind of, um, didn't really, it wasn't efficient to use. You're, it was a lot of clicking around, a lot of typing stuff in different boxes and things like that. So that's kind of exciting that they've streamlined that process a little bit. Um, and another thing that, uh, I don't know if if you guys have ever done this, whenever you use Classroom, like on an iPad or on a touch device, you can like write in comments and things like that. Have you guys ever used that? I have, <laughs> yeah. I call it the soccer mom app because you can <laughs> take your phone anywhere you want to go for right. me my kids soccer practices and you can you can just annotate right on top of um, any of the work so that you can add comments or point out features and and pass that back to your students and the new updates haven't interfered with that at, at all I had actually heard that when they updated classroom that there were that had gotten broken or that had gone away but um, hopefully that's still around and um, can we just have a moment of silence for the about tab in the uh, in classroom, uh, I'm really heartbroken about that. And we were we were talking before we were live here about uh, it coming back, but like I don't know, it's really a bummer that right when the school year started, this thing that I had always had teachers using, like, hey, here's your about tab. This is where you put anything. Uh, students need to go if they don't know where else to look for it. This is where you put your syllabus. This is your reading list. This is like your grading information, all that stuff, go on the about tab. And then um, I stand up in front of 40 new teachers uh, the week before school starts. And that very day, the about tab had been thrown into the dumpster and was gone forever. <laughs> so uh, like all of like such a huge recommendation from me for people to be using it. And it's not there anymore. So, uh, but uh, there are, there are whispers and corners that it's coming back. I guess we'll see. Does anybody have a workaround for that? I was just thinking of creating a unit or module um, that just had like important resources so that well, that's a really good idea. I've yeah. seen a few workarounds uh, on Twitter and I can't remember who put it out, but if you if you put something on there and you don't tag it, you can bump it back to the top like whenever you access it. Uh, it does require you to kind of nanny it so it's always there and people can see it but uh it, it's kind of like another thing that the stream should have is you can pin something at the top which you can't um but that would that's like a way that you can kind of pin something to the top of your stream cool have any of you guys like, having, oh sorry go ahead sam <laughs> i do like the feature that you can copy an entire class that's been something that mm -hmm. teachers have asked like i don't want to archive the class because i want to use the content oh, yeah. again and so now um, you can copy an entire class. I did notice though that if you've already created that class, if it's an old class, um, it won't work just with new ones that are created. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's really cool. And another thing I noticed, and I don't even know if this was in the old classroom, 
um, it, maybe it was, and I just never noticed it, that you can reuse your old posts from archived classes. So you can mm -hmm. literally just yeah. uh, necro uh, assignment that's two years old and just bring it back to life right in your newest classroom. Um, I showed that to some teachers last week, and it was like fireworks were going off. Like, oh, I'm never going to have to plan or create a new assignment again. I can just <laughs> crib my old stuff from, uh, 10 years ago. Uh, so th that's a, it's a pretty cool feature, I think. Uh, something that could be abused and well, shouldn't be an excuse not to try new things in your class, obviously, but uh, is a nice thing to for efficiency and to save some time with. That's definitely pretty cool. You know, one thing that a question that I get from teachers a lot, and it it always surprises me. Like they always say, well, JP, how do I delete all my, what's the best way to get all my new kids in the last year's classroom? And I'm like, well, archive the class and reuse the post. I'm like, no, 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 no. I just want all the new kids to come in and not see that work. I'm like, you're creating a lot of work for yourself. Just make a new class, wow, somebody. that's like hard. But, I, but then I'm like, am I missing something? So am I missing something with that? I, I, I think that they, what they want is, because I have teachers who ask for similar things. I want, I want students to move, not, I don't want my class to change. I want a new group of students to come into my existing class. And I think they just want to, not have to post all that stuff over and over again. And that's how we figured out that reuse post thing. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I also tell teachers, like, if you just add a new student to your old class, all the stuff is going to be in your timeline and your stream. They're going to have to, like, every time you want them to find something, they're going to have to scroll through your entire stream and figure out the thing mm -hmm. you're looking for. Like, it's just not a manageable solution. No. Uh, and I think, you know, part of that, too, might be, like the teachers don't have a whole lot of experience being a student in someone's class. So they, you know, they're not really able to, in the words of the design thinking, empathize with the end user. Right. Yeah. So maybe, and I always tell teachers, you know, be a student in the person next door's class. So one, you can test things for them. And two, you can kind of get that feel for being a student more than, you know, the work we do together when I post something every couple of weeks. Uh, one of the things we always do during our training is to make sure that because um, teachers will not kind of like what you were just saying, JP, teachers will not know what it looks like to be a student. And it does it, it works a lot differently. So one of the things we always do with our teachers at the beginning of the year is put them in a class as a student and have them look at posts and stuff like that. So they mm -hmm. know what it looks like from the other end, um, because they need to know what that looks like. So whenever they post something, they know what to tell a student. They know how, how to engage with them. They know how to like. Here's how you turn it in. Here's how. Here's this, what this button does. You know this, that, the other thing. Definitely, I, I do wish that in an update, Google would give teachers a view as student option. Mm. Yeah, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. I'm sure that's been a feature request, but usually things go feature request to actually implemented in three years or you know whatever. So let's see. Uh, anything else about new stuff with classroom? All right, so uh, <clears throat> we are going to move over to our featured content for this uh, this episode. And today, uh, what we're going to be talking about is how to engage and motivate teachers, and what you what you guys do to get them to try new things, to get them on board with doing something that maybe just an idea but it would be it as far as a teacher implementing it, it might be difficult or something they wouldn't do on their own so 
I'm going to throw out a question. And if anybody's got some ideas about this, go ahead and just chime in. But um, what do you do? Uh, what are your expectations for teachers for having some sort of proficiency and how to with technology and how does that become uh, active professional development and how do you engage teachers with that? I can speak to this one right away. So in Orchard Farm, we require um, all of our certified staff to be Google level one certified. And um, that started over like two years ago. And it's been awesome because, you know, we rolled out these Chromebooks and we, you know, we're a Google district and it just made sense that everybody, every teacher needed to have that basic information that's covered in the Google level one exam. And, and so basically um, every year, it, whatever new teachers come in. So we have 25 new teachers that came into the district this year. And um, we do, you know, new teacher training. We do like a Google training during that time in August. And I show them some basic Google stuff. And then I show them where to go to the exam, how to walk through the modules and things like that. And then they have um, the entire school year all the way until the last day of school in May to study, to go through those different units and then take the test. Um, and I have found that it has been amazing because all of our teachers just have that solid Google base now, and then they can just build on it from there. And uh, so now we're starting to work in um, SAMR and um, the ISTE standards and things like that because we can, because everybody has all that basic knowledge of Google and how to use it. So now we can keep, we can start growing. Well, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, the, every teacher is expected to get the certification and I'm going to throw another question out here because we, <coughs> this group has kind of kicked around the idea of talking more about certifications and stuff, but um, <clears throat> can somebody speak how valuable are certifications for that, the Google classroom, or I mean, just Google certifications in general for in your district or with teachers you, you work with? We do something similar in our in our district, and we have a group of educators that meets on a monthly basis, um, and we call them our GG, our Google Ed Educator Group. And uh, this is actually our fourth year of Im implementing it in our district, and it really it's by application. Teachers have to apply to be part of this group, um, and we, as part of the application, they also earn a Chromebook. Um, so that's kind of their payment for their time and their energy, which is really, you know, always having the device is, is important for our teachers to have an extra device in their classroom. Um, but it has become kind of like an honor to be part of the group. Um, we have like, we'll have 24 slots and we will have about 150 teachers that apply for it. Um, and so it, it has become an honor, kind of a, definitely a, a important group in the district that's recognized as being digital leaders. Um, we make sure that their principals know who their GG people are. We also make sure that we put signage outside of all of their um, rooms so people know that they're Google go-to people. Um, and it really just has, like I said, become an honor for those teachers to be part of that group. Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think one of the things we do with certifications is we kind of, hey, get a certification and that'll show that you um, are proficient with using these tools. But I think something like that, if we're talking about motivation, is a lot more powerful because I, some teachers that work in my district have no desire whatsoever to go through the work to do that because in the end, what is it getting them? A lot of them already know how to do it. Um, it might get them we pay for a $10 test and then, and then what? 
So there has to be some sort of uh, some sort of swag that they get, for lack of a better term, for going through and being part of something in your district. And I don't think um, in a lot of districts, and maybe you guys can speak to this too, we do enough to make – oh, that's cool. Sam is showing off a backpack that um, – they I say, Sam, it's a podcast, right? <laughs> uh, but that, that's a great example, and I'd like to talk more about stuff like that because Pretty this cool. is where I've had my greatest success is is dialing back the mandates and adding more to – uh, like making it an honor, making it a privilege, making it something that is unique and kind of highlights your position in our school district. So what are some other things you guys are doing that are maybe in that vein? Uh, it can be about us, maybe about a certification, maybe something else. I hate to say our teachers are very motivated by stickers. Mm. So, um, you know, it's a simple, it's easy, it's cheap, but they get stickers for being Google level one, level two, being part of our GG. If we do um, a class on Google Earth, then we'll give them a Google Earth sticker. Or if we do a big, like our big Google camps, they get a big Google sticker. They are really motivated by stickers. It's like being back in middle school. It is. It's kind of funny. <laughs> like, uh, that's so true. Um so I'll, I'll kind of plug my own thing that I do. So uh, what I, we have a badging program in my district that I put together uh, three years ago. And it's very similar to that in that students will, or students, teachers will uh, do these individually created modules that we have on our website. And then when they turn that in, and I use a, a, a website called BadgeList. And when they show the proficiency, they turn in the artifact, whatever, um, I send them a digital badge so they can put that like in their um, email signature. They can do whatever with it. But we also make them a pin. So like if you, I don't know if you guys can see this, but I have all these buttons on my lanyard. I know it's a podcast, Jonathan, so cut me some slack. <laughs> I send a lanyard and then the button and then it's kind of like a, a Girl Scout system where like as you earn a certification, you get to wear it. So uh I have a very loyal, not every teacher's into it, but some of them just want to like collect all the badges. So we have like 40 badges you can earn and teachers are like, e will email me and be like, Hey, uh, you haven't had a new badge for a month. What's up? What's going on? I need to get my fix on the badge badge thing. So uh, it, it, that kind of goes back to that sticker thing. Like teachers are into uh, some of them are into that kind of collection and uh, accumulation of uh, little trinkets. I think that's really cool. Like I, I've gone back and forth about the badging cause I'm like, okay, could I do this with my teachers? I'm like, I think I could. And then I'm like, but wait, what if I did it with my students? What if I did it with fifth grade? What if fifth grade could go through, the fifth grade students could go through different modules that I've created for them to get them ready for middle school or something like that and they got badges so it's like I I keep kind of uh, going back and forth between doing like a big teacher badging system or maybe I need to design something for fifth grade students I don't know or um, do it all I have so no idea just to throw this out there the I do it for teachers and then I directly reference that this is something you should also do for your students you should have things that they can work through and then put a sticker on their folder or um, some of our high school and middle school teachers will put a sticker because we have one to one five to 12 on Chromebooks, put a sticker on their Chromebook. It's like, hey, you got a sticker because you used Google Maps to do a project or you used 
um, PictoChart to do an infographic. So here you, you earned the badge for that particular app or that particular skill. So I think a lot of the things we do with teachers are will necessarily lead them to new practices they can also do with their with their students. So, so Josh, I've checked out your badging system before because we want to do something similar within Ed, Ed Plus. You know, we got a lot of folks that um, use some tech training, but timing is, is not you know always uh, beneficial. So, uh, what is the maintenance like to keep those? Like when a classroom gets a complete refresh or a Flipgrid gets a complete refresh, how do you manage all of those badge refresh? Because you got a lot of presentations in there right. and videos. And, and so that's a great question. And that's probably the hardest part is even because I, I used to, I don't do this anymore. I used to create every video for training. And um, I used to spend way too many nights in my office uh, recording tutorial videos. Um, and so it does happen. Like Flipgrid had a big refresh. I'm going to have to redo the classroom one now. But what I've started doing is I, I'll just get on YouTube and I'll find other people that have done one or I'll just find a documentation or in some cases I will find the official training for, for that app. So we use GoGuardian, which is like a student observation tool for Chromebooks and they just have their own certification program. So on our badge page, I just put a link to it and for my badge, I just say, hey, get the certificate from GoGuardian, send it to me you get the badge. Um, and then, so we'll, we do similar things with other tools. I find people that have already done a lot of that legwork. I ask them, Hey, do you mind if I use this? Very rarely does anybody ever say, Oh, no way. No, 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 no. Um, and it's typical, all the videos and stuff that I've created, I have a lot of other teachers who have really just kind of cribbed all of the resources that I put together. And I'm kind of fine with that because, um, I feel like it's more important to, than feeling like we got to get credit for everything that have teachers who are well prepared and are motivated to learn new things. Definitely. So Josh question when you, so you do the badges for the different tools. Do you do any sort of quality control on that? Like, do you have to see student products or like, what do you require out of your teachers before they get that, that badge or that, you know, certification or whatever. So the platform that I use is called badge list. I actually used to use Google forms and I would check, literally check each form because the teachers would submit artifacts. But BadgeList puts all the stuff that I used to have to do in one place. But anyway, I know I'm uh, representing BadgeList a lot, but it's a really awesome free tool. But um, so what they and do- it's free? They, yeah, it's totally free. Um, oh, sweet. Yeah, it's a free open badging platform. You can pay for a premium account, but I've never need, had a reason to need to do that. Um, but they will submit their evidence, basically. So it's usually a question They'll talk about how they use it in class, and then it'll be two pieces of an artifact. So it might be they give me data if they used a quiz app, or if it's a student creation thing, they might send me a product that a student made or something they did in their class. So they'll just attach all that stuff, and you can just upload directly to BadgeList a lot of that stuff. And then it'll come back to me, and I'll look at it. And if I feel like they've hit all the criteria for receiving the badge, then boom. They, I'm going to hit a, that blue button and the badge is going to go right back to them in the email. But I can also give feedback. So I'm like, oh, hey, the link doesn't work. I can't verify this. Or um, on the newsletter, you needed to have a video and an audio or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'll just be like, uh, try again and then send it back to me. So it, it doesn't like, they don't fail. They just, it goes back to them. They resubmit it. But yes, I at currently personally check every single artifact that our teachers send in 
and I submit the I and I distribute those badges um, that way. All right, awesome, good stuff. So, and are all your badges ed tech based, or have they kind of moved into other areas of instruction? Right now, they're all ed tech based, but I am working with teachers and mostly our administrative team to figure out what are some more like inclusive stuff. So we're putting. Um, like cooperative learning, like Kagan stuff, we're gonna start doing badges for using those in the classroom. And we're gonna do some for collaborative time with uh, working with students and teachers and things like that. So more, less of an ed tech slant and more of just good instructional practices. Yep. And I think, you know, our teachers get burned out on just the ed tech stuff, but a lot of the principles are the same. We, we just want teachers that are doing good stuff, not necessarily good stuff on screens. Oh, absolutely. That's been one of my biggest kind of criticisms of a lot of the badging movements. I feel like anything that starts online starts out as an ed tech thing and kind of slowly trickles down to the rest of instruction. And I see so many badging programs that are just strictly, it's all going to be ed tech and no, you know, no other area of the classroom is really going to see those. And like, so that's, you know, there are conversations we've been starting to have here in Fox. And that's been part of it. We don't want it to just be a tech thing. We want to make sure it's a, all areas of uh, first best instruction have, you know, their own little representations on that badging platform. Yeah, you want it Here's to be thought. integrated. You want it to be a par part, a parcel of the greater instructional uh, changes you're trying to make in your district. And I fell into that hole. It was all app. Here's a new app. Here's another app. Here's another app. And we're burning people out on apps. We want to change practices, not tools. So you're totally right about that. I would, that's what should be focused on with, with badges. Um, all right. So what are some other things you guys are doing motivation wise? I know we don't have all day, but um, I've been talking a lot about things I do. What are some things you guys do to engage, motivate your teachers, get them to try new interesting things in their classroom? I'll talk a little bit kind of about our general structure for voluntary PD, I guess. Um, so we do a couple of things. Now, again, this is general, all the PD we do, not just necessarily ed tech, but ed tech falls in this umbrella. And it was kind of one of the first areas that we started kind of offering these types of incentives. So we do, um, most of our PD is structured as after school courses. We call them PEPs just because the university we partner with calls them PEPs. So we incentivize our teachers to attend this voluntary PD by they get, can either get cheap graduate credit or we pay a stipend. Um, so that's kind of been our kind of big incentive. You know, a lot of it has been that graduate credit base. Teachers, if they have their master's degree, can work horizontally across the pay scale at a really, really discounted rate, getting learning that matches up with district initiatives taught by district staff. Um, and like to move horizontally across the pay scale. I know that's not like kind of the motivation we're probably looking for, but that's kind of what that's been really, really successful for us. You know, we've had teachers who have done, I mean, I've done college credit for Google certifications for other Chrome stuff. We've had teachers who have like worked through their unit of instruction for their evaluation tool on a, on a graduate credit program. So it's been a really useful program for our teachers. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the biggest thing that we do for our voluntary PD. So we partner with Missouri Baptist University mostly. They get grad credit and they work through learning with someone in our curriculum department or one of our teachers that we um, have hired to do after school, after school PD type of stuff. 
I think that's a, I mean, you're providing something that a lot of other districts don't, and that's like a college credit is great. Like, especially if uh, that's coming where they don't have to go out of pocket for that kind of stuff. Um, I think that's definitely would be motivating for, uh, for teachers uh, for sure. Um, oh, it absolutely is. It's kind of funny. So sometimes I'll have teachers who they're like, well, I don't need the grad credit. I don't want grad credit. And they'll take my, like one of my summer classes. And so they'll get their stipend, however much it is. And then they come back in the fall and say, JP, I made a mistake. Can I take this again, but do graduate credit this time? So and that is, it's a huge motivator because it helps teachers move over to that plus 15, plus 45 and get that little extra take home pay. So maybe if they don't even necessarily care about becoming a better teacher, there will be some sort of windfall, at least financially for them in that. Yeah, definitely. Case. We do some, um, some tech challenges. We do monthly tech challenges in the district just to get uh, teachers excited and motivated. And, um, you know, sometimes there's, expensive things tied to them like you can win an ipad if you participate in our twitter challenge um and then sometimes there's things like i'll bake you homemade cookies um which you know everybody loves that as well so um just and sometimes it can be you know that that there's not a big thing tied to it as well and i think you know i think it's when the teachers see our excitement around a practice or a tool I think it just lends itself to grow kind of organically. Um, I know the past couple of years, we've spent a lot of time going into kindergarten through seniors and high school, going into their classrooms and doing Google expeditions. And I love it. I mean, it is something that I am absolutely passionate about and letting the kids see the world um, just absolutely is one of the favorite parts of my job. And I think that grows to the teachers. Like they see how excited I get and I'm down there in with, kindergartners looking at you know sea creatures and the teachers can't help but go oh well that's going to be kind of exciting I can do this too um, so and then when the teacher next door hears all the excitement coming out of that classroom and they're like hey Sam do you mind coming back to my classroom and showing me how to do that I um, mean it just kind of grows that way which is is perfect for a district our size to have something grow a little bit more organically instead of saying uh, we mandate everybody to use this tool in the classroom at some point in time. Yeah, I think finding incentives, kind of like what you were saying uh, a second ago, Sam, um, tech like challenges and then giving things away. Like um, I have a Google Home Mini right here that I'm giving away. Um, and the, all teachers had to do was we had a, and this was over the summer, they just had to fill out a bingo card of pictures they took on Twitter. And so um, every every bingo was a uh, every line across is a bingo and every bingo is an entry to a drawing. And so I did a drawing on Tuesday and then we got one of those going out and it's really easy to find stuff to give away. Like I have a box of like t-shirts back here. Sorry, I'm pointing to things on a podcast, but um, I have like clickers cards and stickers and all, all this stuff. And all you have to do um, if you're in a position like this is just to contact these places and say, Hey, I'm looking for some swag to hand out to teachers and that's free advertisement to them. They will gladly send you a box of junk to give out t-shirts. Uh, even sometimes you can get a couple of subscriptions to a service. Like um, I, I got a couple of free we video licenses, a couple of screencastify licenses, just stuff like that. Um, and then hand those things out to teachers for trying it. Like, Hey, anybody want to try to do a video? I got a wee video license for you. Boom. That's, that's a pretty good motivator as well. When a teacher is getting a taste of something that otherwise they wouldn't be able to have access to. 
That's so cool. I, I keep thinking back to when you're saying that, Josh, you know, thinking about getting swag and ha- from companies and boxes of junk and whatnot. My mom always used to say, you don't know if you, you won't know until you ask. Yeah. About kind of being able to get some of those, whether it's free licenses or just stickers and t-shirts or whatever. And that's a, that's an important reminder. You know, even if I think about that, you know, if you're playing a conference or an ed camp, yeah, it's probably easy, easy to get stuff. But you know, if you say, Hey, you know, I service 600 teachers and I'm going to put your name in front of all 600 of them. Can you help me out a little bit? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, back, back when I was a uh, admin assistant in Brentwood and we would do these little ice cream parties or whatever for, once a month for whatever what the purpose was. And uh, the budget was kind of getting constrained, but we had North Star in our district area. And so we just typed up a quick little letter to North Star saying, hey, would you be willing to donate any product? And they gave us like a thousand pieces. Um, wow. I mean, we put it all in our freezer and it, it lasted us the whole year. It was insane. And all we had to do was ask. And they're like, absolutely. And they're like, here, you got this other box. You want this box too? I'm like, that's awesome. And so who'd have thunk if we just, wrote up a little letter real quick, say, hey, could you not donate to your local school district? And they just donated all kinds of stuff to it. So the- it's, it's really mm-hmm. always worth the ask. Like, I've gotten, even locally, because, mm-hmm. like, some teachers still don't care about a license or even a device, but if you, ha- like, uh, if you have a $10 gift card to Sonic or a $10 movie theater card, yeah. and I'll just go down the movie, I'll stop in there on my way to work, and be like, hey, I got a couple of teachers, I'm going to do, like, a video theme thing, can I get a couple of gift cards? And they're like, let me find the manager. And he's like, Oh yeah, we have a, they have a budget for it of like community outreach stuff. So like, mm-hmm. sure. So I have a pipeline to like these different places around the community who, if I pop in, they'll give me a couple of gift cards. Um, and then they get to tell their boss, yeah, we're helping the community. We're telling, we're helping teachers. We're, you know, we're funding education, but uh, our teachers are just going to go buy a Diet Coke at Sonic, but that's what they <laughs> want. That's what they like. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I mean, the different there's lots of different things for different companies. We had one with Dickies, and they if Tuesdays was Brentwood Middle School Day, and if anybody that ordered food there and mentioned Brentwood Middle, fifteen percent of their order went straight to us, and so we got to check once a month for for that. And I was like, that's just a pretty cool little thing to put out there, and they don't have to be residents of Brentwood; they can all the people that are working there. So, anyway, that was pretty cool. Especially if you're at a place where, if you're like me and you're the only one you got to have some kind of support because I don't even have a budget. So everything I find, I got to ask somebody to give to me. So um, definitely the kind of thing you want to do. So we are getting towards the end of our little uh, episode here. Uh, So I want to thank you guys for bringing the the conversation in today about motivating teachers. And is there anything else you guys want to add? Like what is one thing that always works for you when you have – have uh, a teacher who is a real stick in the mud and doesn't want to try anything. Anything that works for you guys to engage those teachers to try something new? And I say I'll be listening really hard because I, motivating teachers is difficult in mine because I don't have any district incentives that I can provide them. You know, and, and a lot of times they get told to come to some of my professional development or PD that they have. So I usually have to deal with the whole, well, I don't even really want to be here, but my principal says I have to be here. Right. So I'm, wait, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to hear the Sweet gems you guys want to share well, with your motivation. Well, I'll start off if uh, you guys <laughs> want to think. But um, what I'm angling at here, you got some teacher who you kind of dread going into their classroom, and you already feel like as soon as you go in, they're, they're, they got that, that scowl, and they already are judging you for, oh, you're going to make me do something. So I always just positive attitude goes a long way, and then just do stuff for them. 
hey, can I grade some of your papers? Would you like to take a break? I can watch your class for 15 minutes. Um, is there something that you need to get done right now that I can help you with? It doesn't even have to be grading. Or you want me to go laminate this thing or make copies. Like, I will be your errand boy and your copy boy if I can walk into your principal's office and say, hey, I got you know who to go and do a Quizlet today. What do you think of that? Um, and that makes me feel real good about my job. And all I had to do was go to the workroom for 15 minutes. Heck yeah, I'm doing that. I just, uh, I just lay it on thick. I'm like, hey, I keep stopping by. Hey, I know that uh, you probably got something coming up, but you got like a really cool lesson. They're like, yeah, I do have this. I'm like, oh, do you need help here? You know what? I'll send you an email and we can see like when we can get together and I'll come in like, ah, uh, I'm like, oh, I'm not forgetting. <laughs> I, I will get a Google calendar, a little, you know, event set up and we will get together. And then they usually find that once I sit down with them and I'm like, Hey, how's it going? Okay. Like, oh my gosh, yeah, this would be a great thing. You could try this and I'll come help you and I'll sit with you and we'll, we got this, we can do this together. And they're like, oh, all right. And then from there, it's like this, I don't know what's the right term, like a floodgate. I don't know. Basically, they, they're like, oh, I can do this now. Okay, that'll work. And then, and then it works out after that. But yeah, I just, I just don't let it go. Like I write people's names like on, <laughs> on my, I'm like, I'm going to stop by and see these people today and see what they're up to. <laughs> persistence, persistence. Persistence. Your name's on my board. All right, yep. Yeah. I think a lot of times though, when these teachers are resistant teachers, I'm kind of, be, I'm, I'm kind of, have a really soft place for them in my heart for our resistant teachers because they tend to be our teachers that have been in education for a while and and they are a wealth of knowledge and and i i think it all comes back to um confidence and not being confident in what they're doing and so really trying to give them teeny tiny little chunks and empower them to do something independently and then you know, just like we do with students, make a big deal about it. I go to the principals and I'm like, hey, you know what? He, he went in and he set up a classroom and this is a big deal. And then just like Aaron said, that circling back to that teacher and like, hey, you set up the classroom. Now let's like get the kids to join it. So here's step two. Let's take these baby steps together. Um, and then, you know, you, going back kind of to Josh, then kind of distracting him and pointing out all the things that they do very well. Um, and trying to build upon those. Because I think it just comes down to a confidence issue um, for our teachers that are resistant. You know, one thing I'll add, at least over here in Fox, a hurdle we have sometimes is teachers don't, you know, they're not, is that confidence piece of knowing kind of how the hardware and the software kind of all fits together. So sometimes, you know, it's just as simple or complicated as me going in and making sure they know how to connect their laptop to the wireless project to the wireless projection unit and making sure that they, you know, that they're functioning so that I can start by taking away one of those barriers with tech to make sure that there's not a barrier in how do we um, get things rolling so we can make, make that so we can use technology to make your life easier instead of making it just one more thing. And after we may, you know, use it to make them a little bit more efficient, then we've taken down that barrier and we can kind of get down to the business of using technology to help kids connect, create, and all that stuff. Well, uh, definitely some great ideas. And, um, I, you know, whatever you do, I always, one thing that I tell our instructional coaches and people who work, just try to say yes more when, uh, even if it seems like something that's below you or stupid, or even if it's, 
um, my smart board's not working or I can't get the printer going. Sam probably knows all about this, but um, <laughs> you've got to go in there and help them a few times and get them uh, build bridges and uh, make them uh, believe in you and believe that you are somebody who's going, has their best interest and is going to help them. Um, so that's going to wrap <laughs> it up for us today, guys. I want to thank our panel of amazing ed tech coaches for joining us today. If we want to go around one more time and you want to tell us who you are, I'll start. Uh, again, I'm Josh Howard. You can find me at Josh C. Howard on Twitter. Jonathan Lee with METC. You can find me on Twitter at percent. I do want to mention one last thing. September 5th, deadline to get in sessions for METC conference. So if you want to come to conference and present in February, deadline is September 5th. Get those in in a hurry. Aaron Lawson, Orchard Farm School District. You can find me on Twitter at Aaron underscore three. Samantha Hardesty Knoll, Instructional Tech at the Wentzville Public School District, and you can find me at Tech Knoll. Hey guys, and I'm JP Prezavento. You can find me on Twitter at JP Prez, that's at J-T-P-R-E-Z-Z, and Aaron, your Twitter handle is at Aaron <laughs> underscore Lawson. Dang it, did I do it again? Oh. Aaron underscore three. We're going to figure out Aaron's Twitter oh handle one of these gosh. days. <laughs> it's raining. I just want to lay down on the bed, on, like, on the floor and just go to sleep. Yes, I'm tired. Well, now that we're done, Aaron, go ahead and take a nap because we are finished. I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. See you next month. This has been another episode of the EdTech Pod Squad. We will see you next month for sharing and reflecting with Josh Howard, Samantha Hardesty-Knoll, Aaron Lawson, Jonathan Lee, and J.P. Presavento. 